Hi there, this is Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. You know why we call it From Across the Pond? Because this program comes to you from the U.S. side of the Atlantic Ocean. And you Brits refer to the Atlantic Ocean as the pond. What an interesting word. You make everything small. It's probably because you're, the size of your nation is so small. It's always been amazing to me that this small set of islands, uh, Northern Ireland and, and uh, Great Britain, make up Great Britain with England and Scotland and Northern Ireland, and yet uh, history— Don't forget Wales. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, that's right. I did forget Wales, didn't I? Uh, the truth is that Wales is one of my favorite places on the planet. Beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, I think one of the best-kept secrets around. But— uh, we come to you every week to talk about red-letter Christianity. Uh, if you want to learn about what red-letter Christianity is about, go to our website, uh, redletterchristians.org. There are uh, all kinds of talks uh, recorded, and you can listen to them. Uh, you can find out about what our movement is about. Redletterchristians.org. You can sign up as a red-letter Christian. In simple language, as Shane, tell us what a red-letter Christian is. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty simple. Looking at those old Bibles with the uh, words of Jesus highlighted in red, we're just saying, what if Jesus really meant the stuff he said? And uh, if, if you don't know where to start, uh, you could just look at Matthew 5, chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and um, incredible challenge to the the patterns of the world that we live in. So, you know, Jesus saying, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, all these things that are an, an indictment of, of, of so many of the, the patterns of our world. So um, that's what we're about. Looking at, at Christianity and the state of the church in the world right now, I think part of what we also grieve is that um, much of our Christianity has not looked like Jesus and has not taken Jesus very seriously. As I've heard Tony say, uh, young people are leaving the church, but it's not because we've made the gospel too hard. It's because we've made it too easy. Yeah, and, because young people yeah. are aware that what Jesus asks the church to do and be is very different than what the church is today. Uh, let me just take America as the case in point. Uh, what does what do the red letters tell us about war? You can comment on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it becomes uh, increasingly difficult to reconcile Jesus's command to love our enemy with our preparation to kill them. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you go, well, I think when Jesus said love our enemy, he meant we shouldn't kill them. Let's, let's start <laughs> there, you know? Um, and, and, um, and yeah, you know, what does that mean in a world uh, where we, we see so much violence? How do we interact with violence without mirroring the very violence that we see and perpetuating it? Kind of adding, like adding fuel to the fire, as Martin Luther King, King said, you know, hatred can't drive out hatred, only love can do that. I mean, uh, when you read the red letters of the Bible, those old Bibles that had the words of Jesus highlighted in red, uh, you end up with all kinds of painful awareness of how far we have moved away from Jesus. Mm. Uh, I know myself, I feel under great conviction when I read those red letters. Uh, the guy that radicalized me was the Danish philosopher-theologian Søren Kierkegaard. Mm. I remember him saying this. 
he sits in the, he says, I was sitting in the great cathedral in Copenhagen. The sunlight was streaming through the stained glass windows. The, uh, uh, I was sitting in a cushioned pew. <laughs> a minister, the priest, came to the pulpit. He was dressed in a velvet robe. He opened a gilded Bible and marked it with a satin marker. And he said, if any man would be my, Jesus said, if any man would be my disciple, he must deny himself, sell all that he has and give it to the poor. He said, I looked around and nobody was laughing. (laughs) (laughs) You You know, he compares the incongruity of all of this wealth. He goes on to say in that same passage, all of this, this great cathedral, these windows, all of the, these beautiful things, all of this to honor somebody who said, <laughs> I dwell not in temples made with hands. I mean, do we not see the incongruity of the wealth of the church as opposed uh, to the uh, situations around us? Um, Jesus would look at the church and say, you've got so much wealth, and you have poor people who are on the verge of starvation, mm. uh, shouldn't your wealth be used to help the poor instead of uh, building these great buildings? And I, you, because you mentioned Kierkegaard, we haven't talked a whole lot about him. We've, I mean, there's a lot of great voices, many of them over in the UK, you know, of uh, uh, Bonhoeffer and um, Wilberforce and all these folks. But Kierkegaard, um, I carry this quote everywhere I go. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful quote by, by Soren Kierkegaard. He said, the matter's quite simple. The Bible's easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend we can't understand it because we know the minute that we understand, we have to act. And he <laughs> says, take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My God, you will say, what if I do that? My whole life will be ruined. How would I get on in the world? And then Kierkegaard says this, herein lies the real place of Christian scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) Christian scholarship is the church's prodigious invention to defend itself against the Bible, to ensure that we can continue to be good Christians without the Bible getting in the way. (laughs) And that's what Red Letter Christianity is all about. The red letters of the Bible, the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus gets in the way of our understanding of the Christian way of life. Okay, before we move on from Kierkegaard, you got to tell that the story. Isn't it his story of the duck? Oh the yeah, duck preacher. My, that's my it's, favorite it's, story. I remember this one from college. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. It was uh, Sunday morning in the land of the ducks, and all the ducks got up and straightened out their feathers and waddled out of their houses and waddled down the street to go to the duck church, because I mean, we have to have a church for every group of animals. And so uh, the ducks waddle in and they squat in their places and the duck minister comes in. He opens the duck Bible because they have their own version. It seems like every group has its own version of the Bible. And he reads to the ducks, ducks, God has given us wings. And because we have wings, we can soar like eagles. We can fly into the sky. Nobody and nothing can contain us. We have wings. We have wings. And all the ducks quack, amen, amen, amen. And then he says, and they all waddled home. (laughs) I mean, is that not the story? We go into church and we hear the things read from the scripture. Uh, We hear the gospels being read. When when St. Francis of Assisi uh, went to church with his best friend in Florence, Italy, Mm. they opened the Bible and they read the gospel message of the day. 
uh, if you're going to be my disciple, sow what you have, give to the poor, take up the cross and follow me. It goes on to say, and when you go out, go out two by two. Take nothing with you except uh, what you can carry. And wherever you go, uh, give and love people. And they decide if that's what Jesus wants us to do, mm. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And that's how the whole Franciscan movement started, because you had a group of people who took Jesus seriously, mm. who said Jesus really meant what he said. There was a time when you and I both considered becoming Franciscans. Mm. Uh, we, we, we see that Francis, in a sense, is the uh, guy who tried to take Jesus seriously and live out what those red letters said. Mark Twain, one of our great humorists, has said, it's not the things about Jesus that I don't understand that bother me. Mm. It's the things that I do understand yeah. that bother me. Mm. Uh, indeed, uh, what he says uh, in the scriptures is uh, really hard. It's no wonder that most preachers love to preach from the epistles of Paul rather than from the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I mean, I've even heard so many preachers try to dodge this text of, yeah. like, sell what you have and give it to the poor and say, well, Jesus didn't mean that. He just yeah. meant uh, we shouldn't make an idol out of riches. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I you, think you, he would have said that. <laughs> if he meant that you know? But I remember one, one of the folks that really shaped me in some of this, uh, we, we, we didn't at the time use the words red-letter Christianity, but he was very inspired by uh, St. Francis, too, was, was Rich Mullins and— um, if y'all don't know that name, he was an incredible singer and songwriter, but he was so, in, some people don't know this, that he was so inspired by St. Francis, he started a little order of folks called the Kid Brothers of St. Frank. And, um, <laughs> and, cute. and he, um, but he capped his income off to try to live simply. And I, I, he made, you know, ended up generating massive amounts of money, um, similar to John Wesley, but ended up living off a very little bit. But I heard him preach one time and he said, uh, at Wheaton University, where I went one year, you know, big evangelical school, he said, you all are into that born-again thing. And that's great. Jesus says that to one guy, a guy named Nicodemus. When he says, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom? He says, you need to, you need to uh, be born again. He says, so that's great. He said, but if you tell me that I've got to be born again to enter the kingdom, I can tell you that you've got to sell everything you have and give it to the poor, because Jesus says that to one guy too. And then it got really quiet. And then Rich said, but I guess that's why God invented highlighters, so we can highlight the verses we like and ignore the rest of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's the interesting thing. Just uh, on Sunday, this past Sunday, I was out in California speaking at Shepherd Grove uh, Church, uh, headed up by um, um, Bobby Schuler, the grandson of Robert Schuler. And uh, uh, sitting right behind me was Juan Carlos Ortiz. Did you ever get to know him? I don't think I know that. He name. was a... Yeah. He was a guy you would have loved. Mm. Uh, he uh, preached red-letter Christianity. And uh, uh, he, uh, he would say, you want to know what parts of the Bible you really need to read? He said, get out your Bible. You, you good evangelicals, you good fundamentalists, you who have underlined verses, you know what you need to do? You need to read all the verses you didn't underline. <laughs> he said, I could always tell what somebody's theology was just by looking at their Bibles. Mm. When I uh, get a Presbyterian, a Calvinist, 
uh, all the verses that have to do with predestination are underlined. Yeah, yeah. When I talk to a Wesleyan Methodist who believe in free will, all the verses that talk about free will are underlined. When I talk to a Catholic Franciscan, all the verses that say, give your money to the poor are underlined. Uh, when I talk to a rich American capitalist, all the verses that talk about uh, God will reward you and, and make you wealthy, they're underlined. You want to know what somebody believes? Get a hold of their Bible, see what verses they have underlined, mm. and then realize that they've neglected other parts of the Bible, uh, the parts of the Bible that do not speak to where they are and to where they've been living and to what they believe. Yeah, it's, it's funny because folks talk about how bad fundamentalism is. And one of my friends said, well, I think it's selective fundamentalism that, you know, that like it's, it's that we've taken some verses uh, literally and others not, and we've kind of written off most of what Jesus said. And, and the funny thing is like, uh, it, we're, we're those kind of fundamentalists that red letter Christians, we say, yeah, we actually believe that Jesus uh, meant the stuff that he said in the gospel. And what would it look like if we took um, that seriously? So uh, I, I think I'm a gospel fundamentalist, Tony. I think that's what, what I've arrived at. But I, you know, I think that, that we all interpret these, these verses and, and, and you, 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 at some point you just come back and you go, I want to read the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read the, the gospel with new eyes. So if you haven't done that in a while, uh, give that a shot. Go back and just just see how radical uh, the call of Jesus really is. And then I think part of what um, the saints have preserved, folks like St. Francis, uh, um, I, I, I think it was, um, uh, I can't remember what writer, but he said all that a saint is is someone that, leaves the fragrance of Jesus in this world. Yeah. And, and we look at St. Yeah. Francis, we look at so many of the saints, and all that they did was they reoriented their whole lives around Jesus, and they reminded the world of him by the way that they loved people. So that's, that's what we want to see, is a Christianity that, that leaves off the scent of Jesus in the world. You're talking uh, to us, if you're talking back at the radio, <laughs> uh, and who are we? You're listening to Tony Campolo, and you're listening to Shane Claiborne. The two of us are on the air every week at this time to talk about red-letter Christianity. Uh, we here in the United States have Bibles that uh, have the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. Whenever Jesus spoken uh, as we read the Bible, whenever he spoke, those words are highlighted with red, red letters. And so we call ourselves red-letter Christians because we're attempting to take the red letters of the Bible seriously. If you want to learn more about the Red Letter Christians movement, uh, go to our website, redletterchristians.org. Another thing you can do is realize that the Red Letter Christians movement is picking up momentum there in the United Kingdom. The executive who's leading the whole charge for Red Letter Christianity in the United Kingdom is uh, uh, Ash Barker. Uh, Ashley Barker and uh, Newbigin House in Birmingham, uh, England. So uh, go to your website, look up Newbigin House uh, in uh, Birmingham, England, Ash Barker. And Ange Barker, their partners, Ash and Ange are like, they've been for decades trying to live out this kind of oh, red letter. Oh, and they have and done it. I got to visit them in Klong Tui in an in a area. Um, That's in, in Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. yeah. Um, where uh, it's mostly shanty houses, like 100,000 um people living in a square kilometer. I mean, it was just incredible to see what they had built there communally. And now they're back in the UK and they're uh, living this missional life, I think in Birmingham yeah. and uh, 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 starting the movement over there. So it's, it's great to be part yeah, of that. And you, 
You've stayed at Newbigin House, the the place where they do their yeah, ministry, yeah. and it's a crazy place. I mean, you go in there and they give you a room, little room, and and that's where you're going to stay. But in that house, there are all kinds of people, and people dropping in, dropping out. It's a flop house for and llamas and all kinds. Yeah, they have they animals. all kinds of animals in the backyard. <laughs> they take the animals around uh, to schools, and children come out and play with animals that they've never seen before. But uh, while I was there, they have a, a couple of Muslims living in the house with them. Uh, they are, in fact, welcoming the stranger. Uh, Jesus said to welcome the stranger, to welcome the alien. They do it, man, and they have given up everything. Uh, they, they have lived a simple life, uh, to use the in language of the time. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes folks say like, "What would the simple way look like in the UK?" And I say, "Well, check out what Ash and Andrew are doing at Newbegin House, yeah. you know." And so, if you if you're not familiar with it, um, uh, connect with them because what we what we really believe in at the end of the day is not just uh, kind of a pie in the sky theology, but that our theology has to land itself in a place, and that's part of what happens with Jesus, right? As we see, like God leaves all the comfort of heaven and is born in the most vulnerable way as a child, as a refugee, as one who has no place to lay his head, who's born in the manger because there's no room in the end. So that joining of our struggle, uh, we, we, it's got, we've got to like actually form real communities. And I think that's what, what Ash and Andrew are trying to do. And we're not just trying to build a movement that doesn't have teeth in it or doesn't have feet on the ground. And, and so these little communities become, um, as, as one of my heroes, uh, Clarence Jordan, said, they are demonstration plots for the kingdom. So yeah. this is where we demonstrate what that love looks like. We try to build communities like Jesus built community, uh, but we do that in real neighborhoods and, and places like Birmingham. And, and that's incredibly good news. Let, let me just say, uh, most evangelicals are very quick to talk about salvation, but they talk about salvation as getting ready for the next world. Are you ready to die? Are you ready for the second coming? Uh, the world may come to an end in our lifetime. Are you ready to meet Jesus should he return uh, today? All of which is true. We don't want to minimize that. But when I ask my students at Eastern, why did Jesus come into the world? They say, oh, to take away our sins so we can go to heaven when we die. That's not why he came. That's part of the message, an mm-hmm. Crucial part of the message, especially when you're as old as I am and you're getting ready to die, you like to know there is eternal life to those who are saved by grace, who say, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross, because what you did for me on the cross was to take the punishment and the penalties for my sin and freed me from the fear of death. But let me just say, his primary reason for coming was not to get us ready for the next world but to challenge us to become persons who will change this world into the kind of world that he wants for it to be. Mm. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he starts off his message by saying, I have come to declare, here it is, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm. The kind of world that God wants to create is right here, breaking loose in the midst of it. Mm. You uh, And I'm going to teach you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And the next line is important, on earth, on earth. And all of his message is to create a people through whom he can change this world into the kind of world that God wants for it to be. Hallelujah. That, yeah. That's been one of the, uh, the themes of, the, uh, of Archbishop of Canterbury, of Justin Welby, has been thy kingdom come of yeah. the, in, in the Anglican oh, church over beautiful. there. So that's a beautiful prayer that we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you and know, it, over there in the United Kingdom, of course, the big rock star 
is Zabano, uh, the rock star, yeah. who talks about this radical kind of— Who endorsed our book, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, get our book. Uh, the Red, Red Letter, Letter Revolution. Re- the Red Letter Revolution. Go out and buy it. Somebody better but Bono, buy it. Bono said you should read it, yeah. so it must be good. Yeah, and Bishop Tutu said it ought to be read. And, uh, you know, Bill, J- Jimmy Carter said it should be read. They all endorsed the book. The only people who haven't endorsed the book are the people out there who haven't <laughs> bought it. So go out and buy a copy of The Red Letter Revolution by Shane Claiborne and Tony Campbell. <laughs> but what were you saying about Bono? But I was going to say, uh, our, our good, one of our good friends said, uh, when, when, uh, when the church does not proclaim the kingdom of God, uh, book, uh, uh, the Bible says, Yay, the very rocks will cry out. And uh, uh, Brian McLaren says, and when the church does not proclaim the kingdom of God in its radical dimensions, yay, the very rock stars will cry out. And he's been crying out, calling the church to repentance. You know, it's interesting that very often the world sees things clearly. They see that Christianity is about changing this world. If you want to see the musical Les Miserables, The closing song reads like this. Will you join in our crusade who will be strong and stand with me? This is Jesus speaking. Somewhere beyond the barricade in the midst of the French Revolution is the world you long to see. Do you hear the people sing? Say, do you hear the distant drums? It's the future that they bring when tomorrow comes. One day, someday, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I ask you not just to accept Jesus so you can go to the heaven when you die. I want you to accept Jesus so that Jesus can come into you and transform you into somebody who goes to work in the world, changing the world that is into the kind of world that God wants for it to be. Mm. You can pick it up from there. You know, and sometimes folks will say, as as we talk about all all this selling what you have and giving it to the poor, say, well, are you saying I need to, that, that I have to do this to earn my salvation? And it's, it's so important to remember as we talk about being faithful to the things Jesus said, that it's not about earning our salvation. In fact, uh, uh, Jackie Pollinger says it so beautifully. She's a great missionary uh, from from over there that went to uh, Hong Kong, and I've been able to visit her community. But one of the things that she says is, "Our works do not demonstrate; they, they don't earn our salvation. Our works demonstrate our salvation. And so, if we don't have anything that flows out of us that is liberating the captives, that is good news to the poorest and most vulnerable people, then we have to ask ourselves." are we really Christians? Are we really disciples of Jesus? Or are we maybe just folks that go to church? So at the, really in the end, like the, the, as we look at Jesus saying, when, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was a stranger, did you welcome me in? That, that what demonstrates our love for Jesus are the ways that we care for the poor. And the scripture is also really clear in Corinthians. I love that verse, Tony, where it says, you know, we can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. We can have faith to move mountains. We can uh, do all sorts of prophecies and fathom all the depths of knowledge. We can even sell everything we have and give it to the poor. But if we don't have love, it's still empty. Amen. Let me just say that there will be those who come at people like Shane and people like me and, and say, hey, uh, we like that love stuff, but you're always talking about social justice. Uh, where do you get that emphasis? And I say to you, this justice is nothing more than love 
expressed in social policies. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that. Justice is nothing more than love expressed in social policies. And we preach love expressed on the personal level, expressed on the societal level. Social justice is love transformed into social policies. Well, we're coming near the end of the show, so we have to invite people to go to our website, redletterchristians.org, and uh, you need to sign up as a Red Letter Christian. This is important because our ability to uh, speak to those who are in power uh, is enhanced when we say it's not just a couple of crazy guys on the other side of the Atlantic who are saying these things. There are thousands, yea, hundreds of thousands of people who are into Jesus and want to do the hard things that Jesus called us to do. That's what Red Letter Christianity is about. Get a Bible, look up the words of Jesus, which in our country is, are often highlighted with red letters in the Bible. Do you want to say something nice well, as, to the people? As, as, as uh, part of what happens is many of us end up feeling like we don't have a home within Christianity, and we want you to know that the Red Letter Christians movement is a place for people that love Jesus and love justice. And part of what happens as we have conversations like this is we remind each other that we're not crazy, or, or at least we're not alone. I, I like how Peter Morin said of the Catholic Worker Movement, he said, if I'm crazy, it's because I refuse to be crazy in the same way that the world has gone crazy. And so we want to say, don't go crazy like the world's gone crazy. Take Jesus seriously and do something crazy with your life that honors him. So thanks for joining us. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campoo, and we'll be on next week at this time.